0: Paul Miller tells a story about going camping with his children. His uh, wife didn't go with them. She was giving up camping for Lent. (laughs) But when he got to the area they were camping in, parked the car, went went to go to the, the campsite, his daughter said, I lost my contact. And she began to panic a little bit, and he said, don't panic, pray. So let's pray. To which his daughter said, why? What's the use? I've been praying for my sister, and she's still not been healed. As we talk about Christianity that works, we need a Christian, Christianity that works in those circumstances, do we not? Have you ever felt like that? Prayed, and what I'm praying for didn't happen the way I thought it should We will be uh, having a Sunday school class on prayer after Easter. We can talk more about Paul Miller uh, and his reflection on the scripture, because we don't ultimately care what Paul Miller says, nothing against Paul, but we care about what the Bible says, right? With that day, Paul said a little prayer, went something like this, help, Lord, this would be a really good time to help. Not that it's always going to work that way, But he said, let's let's pray. They prayed and they found the contact. Today, I'd like you to turn your Bibles, if you have them, or if you have the U Version app, go there on the U Version app to today's message. And we're going to look at James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. And if you're here and you don't have a Bible, they'll be on the screen. He says, There is anyone among you suffering. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Suffering comes, we pray. It's kind of a general word for suffering in the Greek. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. What a beautiful thing it is to praise the Lord with music have a song going in our heart about the greatness of the God we serve. Is, verse 14, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. Wow. That seems like it could be maybe misunderstood, right? And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be So he saw there, if you're suffering, you pray. It is sickness, he's saying, call for the elders, have them anoint with oil, and pray. And confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. He says this, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. So what we're going to do today is we're going to walk through this passage of Scripture. What we're going to find... What I pray we find is that God is loving and strong. I right? could like just some. There's wisdom to what he's saying here. Let's pray. Dear God, keep us from misunderstanding your word and misapplying your word. And guide us into your truth and your light. Give us wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. People said, "Well, just I'm going to make a couple observations for you. The anointing of oil. We see in Exodus chapter 30 that they had this anointing oil that they used to anoint the priest. Thirty thirty says, You shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may serve me as priests. And you shall say to the people of Israel, This shall be my holy anointing oil throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on the body of an ordinary person and you shall make no other like it so, there was, in Scripture, the use of anointing oil to set things apart for holy purposes, right? And some would say, when the elders come to pray, pray and anoint you with oil, perhaps what they're doing is reminding you that you've been set aside and set apart by God. That's significant. It, I think it may be significant, because I think a lot of times when we're, we're going through sickness and we feel broke down, we feel like God has maybe forgotten us, Right? The oil is or maybe it could be a reminder that now in the new covenant, since the coming of Christ, we are a, a holy nation of priests. Right? We also know that anointing oil was used. Obviously, different anointing oils were used through Scripture, but we also see anointing oil used in Scripture in other places in the New Testament. In Mark chapter six. Verses 7 through 13, when Jesus sends out the 12 apostles, at the end of that passage it says this, Mark 6, 13, And they cast out many demons, and anointed with oil many who were sick, and healed them. So, they use this, right? Right? Oil was also used for medicinal purposes in Scripture. We see that in Luke chapter 10, verses 33 and 34. You know the story of the good Samaritan. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, where the injured man was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and poured upon his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an end and took care of him. So, so, so someone said, you, you know, the anointing oil, it's kind of like saying, get the elders, have them pray for them and, and give them their medicine. Let me take a little journey here before we go any further in what James is telling us. Let's look at what I think he's not telling us. I don't think James is saying, look, if you get the right anointing oil, enough faith, and you anoint everyone who's sick, everyone will be miraculously healed and nobody will ever die. Why do I think this. Well, first of all, I suspect then nobody in the New Testament would have died, right? Just get the elders there, we pray for them, and boom, everybody's healed. Do you agree? When people do die. I also say, if you look at Scripture, if you look at something like uh, a passage like 2 Timothy 4.20, where Trophimus was left behind because he was ill, You can look it up yourself, 2 Timothy 4.20. Now, you could just say, well, that guy had issues. He just didn't have enough faith. That's why why Paul left him behind sick. But I think you'd be wrong. In 1 Timothy 5.23, Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives Timothy this instruction. No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent Ailments. If the case is you just get the elders, they anoint with oil, and everybody's instantly healed, then why is he telling them to take a little wine for his stomach? See the point? And I don't think it's just that James is way off here and everybody else has a different different view. I think if we look in the letter that James has written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, right in the letter that we've been studying, we'll see some some clues here. Okay? First of all, I encourage you to go home and read the whole book of James, right? And whenever there's something in Scripture, you say, I'm not sure I really get that. Read everything around that. Does that make sense? Take a piece of paper and outline James' letter. And look at what he's saying. He began the letter, early in the letter, by saying, consider it joy when you face various trials of many kinds. He also, in the very beginning of the letter, said, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, and he will give it. You see, prayer does not replace wisdom. It produces wisdom by the grace of God. What else do we see? He's already said you you don't have because you you don't ask, and you ask and don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives, right? He's also, just before the passage we're reading, given a warning to to the rich, right? Hasn't he? So I don't think you can use James as the poster child for the health and wealth gospel that says if you, if you live your life right, you're gonna be healthy and wealthy because that's not what James has said in the, in the letter. He gives a lot of warnings to the rich who've been exploiting their workers. And in fact, right before this passion, he uses, he uses what? Job as an example of the kind of patience we should have. right? Okay? I don't think, and it's kind of ironic that the book of James sometimes gets used to make the same mistakes that Job's friends made. Right? Here's the problem, you're just sick. Every every sickness can be um, removed if you just say this prayer. And everybody who's sick, it's their own fault because they're they're too sinful. Isn't that the kind of things we see if you've not done it yet? Uh, your Bible, read the book of Job, right? you see there's all these friends. They have all these answers to why Job is suffering. James uses Joseph, Job as an example that we should be patient and trust in God and His time, right? So we see these things. He tells people to consider it all joy when they go through trials. He tells people to pray for wisdom. He condemns the rich. Not all meaning to be rich is to be condemned, but the way they had gotten their wealth and the way that they had uh, boasted in their wealth uh, were rebuked. And he calls for patience and uses Job as an example. Now, we could just say, this is what James is not saying. Okay, good sermon. That would be a good sermon, right? What is it, what is it that James is saying? Did you, and I, and I want to point out a, a few things here. And then we'll get to some practical applications here. Suffering should bring us to prayer, not panic. In the story at the beginning, Paul Miller's right. When, when we lose something, we're concerned about something, we should go to God in prayer. Part of our prayer should be prayer for wisdom. It's a little interesting that Paige is not here, my wife's not here today, because our five-year-old is running a fever, right? Those things happen. What should we do? We pray, yeah, do I pray for him? Yes, do I I ask for wisdom? You bet. True? True? Don't. Let yourself get caught in a false dichotomy between prayer and penicillin. Right? Use medicine. Use prayer. But suffering should bring us to prayer, not panic. You're going through something hard, Pray about it. Second, blessings should bring us to praise and not pride. My whole ministry, I have been blessed The older pastors and older saints in the church who've spoken into my life when I was young, starting out in ministry, I think it was 24 when I became a youth pastor, 27 when I took my first church as a pastor. I think it was around 27, the pastor came and said to me, he said, look out for the peaks and the valleys. That's when people tend to get themselves in trouble. Right? When we're in the valley and we're going through suffering, it's easy to get the your woe-is-me-isms. I think, God doesn't know me, nobody cares. Nobody loves me, everybody hates me. Guess I ought to go eat some worms. (laughs) How many people know that song, by the way? (laughs) It'd be kind of fun if you all would have started singing it there. That would have been... (laughs) But if you're going through a hard time today... Suffering is calm. Pray. Turn to God. Brother James's message, right? What about those praise times when things are going well? James has already told us in the letter, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. When when we're in the peaks of our life, it's easy to start thinking too much of ourselves, is it not? It's easy to not be concerned about other people's troubles. I think one of the things that God uses suffering for in our lives is that we'd be more empathetic of others. Would you agree? Before I spent almost 15 years going into the jails and doing Bible studies, I have to say to you, I wasn't too concerned, we'd even make jokes about some of the atrocities that happen in jails, and I'm ashamed of that, to tell you that. But after I went to jail for years, uh, when I would be in discussion with with leaders, I would ask them, what are we going to do about prison reform? Why? Because you've seen some of it, you've experienced some of it. Be cautious when we're at our high eyes not to become haughty and disconnected with God. And that's what James tells us here. He says, look, when blessings come, when when things are going well, when we're in times of rejoicing, praise. Three. When we are sick, we should ask for help and prayer from the elders. I had a hard time figuring out how to word that, right? You say, should we, should we, pastor, when, when we're sick, should we call for the elders to come and anoint with oil? Is that something that we should do? Is that something that's just passe? It's, we don't need to do that anymore. That was a cultural thing for them. James has written for us, but not to us, so maybe we don't need to do that anymore. Is that something we should do every single time? Right? So right now, there's... Oh, oh, oh. Empty seats, I can look around and I can name a whole bunch of people that are sick. Should the elders just be out anointing, 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 anointing? Well, the general principle of praying and seeking care, I think, stand. Agreed? I think calling for the elders means seeking the elders' advice. Who are the elders in the church? We have, you don't have to go through the elder to get to God, right? That's, that's not, how it, not, not how it works. You have direct access to God. So why did God establish elders? Elders are spiritually more pure people in the church. So the church is a place where we come alongside. So calling an elder into the situation helps one for that person to speak and listen and reflect so that people can see God for who He is in the truth of the Word. Amen? A lot of times in the medical community, and I love our medical community, but sometimes they try to play priest and pastor too, and it's good that we turn to our spiritual leadership in our church and say, hey, can you speak into this situation? Right? They can help you as you're praying for wisdom. What about the anointing, for oil, anointing with oil? I want to ask you to think about that. Is it just medicinal? In other words, have the elders pray and take your medicine? Well, I certainly would say this. Truth doesn't fear investigation. Right? So these guys who will say, if you really have faith, you wouldn't go to the doctor. Well, maybe the doctor is the answer to your prayers. True? We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Right? And er earth... On earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, there's no, no sickness. So, so praying that we'll find cures to diseases, that's a good thing, right? Praying for wisdom, those a good thing. So certainly, we should use the, the medical advances that God has providentially given to us. Amen? We should thank God for that. What about using anointing oil as a reminder of the work of the Holy Spirit and that you've been set apart by God? We as a church believe that can be a really good thing. We've, we've done that recently, last, last week. Putting a little oil on somebody and praying for them. I think God is such a great teacher. He knows sometimes we need some physical reminders of spiritual truth. It's not the oil that heals you. Even in the passage, he says, and the prayer of faith, right? That oil is a reminder I have uh, over the years uh, been to a lot of things where the elders came and we anointed with oil and we prayed for and I've never once had a, a bad experience. I've seen people who ended up healed and I've seen any, people who ended up ultimately healed in other words they died and went to went to heaven. But I've never seen a circumstance where it wasn't a blessing. The caution is James is also told us to be careful of swearing and I think what he means in making these oaths, we've got to make sure it's not some little magical formula. We think everything will just get solved, or it's the answer, the silver bullet every time. So, should I call the elders to gather? I'm feeling weak and weak and sick. To pray and anoint me with oil. What I would say is pray for wisdom and ask, ask God and reflect. But you should, for sure, include um, the the leadership of the church. And notice it says. If you're sick, call the elders. Don't expect them to figure out who's sick and who's not, right? I've got to keep moving here, but uh, point four, we should confess our sins one to another. Why is that? Well, not because if you're sick, it's because you're a worse sinner than everybody else. Jesus in John 9 makes that clear that that's not the case, right? There's two errors here. One is thinking that there's a direct one-to-one correlation between sinning and suffering, and he who suffers the most has sinned the most. So if you've got cancer, you're worse sinner than somebody who doesn't. That's a total lie, right? But another lie that comes up sometimes is that my sinning has no impact on my suffering, and nobody ever suffers because of their own sins. That's also silly, is it not? True? In fact, could I, we're talking about the first step of Christianity is accepting Jesus as your lord and your savior the boss and the treasure of your life Asking him to lead your life and that's the first step if you're here today and You haven't done that you need to do that once you've done that We're in a process. Are we not? Anybody here perfect yet? Well, you could say well, I've been made perfect in Christ, but I'm striving to be what What I am already in him and we could get into all of that and I think that's true But the fact is we still have sins that we practice at times true and when we are in times of sickness, we oftentimes make it worse with our own sinful attitudes. True? And I think it's a beautiful thing to just confess our sins one to another. I've seen nothing bad happen from that. So you know what? I just, I just feel like I need to confess this to some other folks. Not because they're the ones who give healing, but because... In that community there's help amen you see when you refuse to sin- confess your sins to one another you'll be lonely because Satan can always whisper in the ear. those people wouldn't really like you if they knew what you did and that can cause physical problems when we have that kind of thought pattern can it not The last and the fifth point that I want to make real clear here um, is that the prayer of a righteous person has great power. Amen? And we're going to do a whole Sunday school class about how to have an effective prayer life by the grace of God and for his glory. So I won't do that here or we will really go long. Let me just wrap up in conclusion uh, as the praise team uh, comes. I want us to avoid the two ditches on both sides of the road. One is those who will say, in all practical purposes, God doesn't heal anybody anymore. Stop praying for stuff like that. Just go to the doctor. And I would say, no, go to the doctor and pray. Amen? On the other side is the ditch that says, everybody can be healed if they just say the right prayer. I don't think that's true either. On the one ditch we want to avoid is the ditch that says, every suffering is a result of that individual sinning. That's not true, is it? But don't go into the other ditch and say, none of my suffering is in any way made worse or caused by my own sinning, because that's not true either. But in all of the things, remember this. God is loving and God is strong. Amen? And we should be reminding ourselves of that and one another of that in the peak times of our lives and in the valleys. May God be honored and glorified by His Word. If you take just a moment and take, look at your connection card for next steps, set aside time for prayer. Contact the elders. You say, I'm not really sure if I should call. We'd, we'd love to pray for you. Um, come alongside you. Confess my sins to someone. Maybe there's something that's just been just ripping at you. Over the years of ministry, I've seen people's whole lives change because they admitted to somebody else, I had an abortion or I had an affair. I ask God for forgiveness, but it's been on my heart for so long, and they see that in the community that that God grants forgiveness and grace and new life. Amen? And maybe God's leading you to something that's not on that list. We'd love to have you to, to write that down, and we'd love to come alongside you. At this time, we're going to receive the morning offering. You can turn in those connection cards as we reflect together through music. This sermon is from Edgewood Baptist Church. You can find more information about us online at ebc-edmonds.org. Thanks for listening.